Hello, Grand Canyon fanatics. This is Crocky Meshkin, creator of Grand Canyon TV and your host for the Grand Canyon TV podcast. On this episode, I sit down with my friend Ricky as we talk about an article from the February 1918 Ladies Home Journal. This article features images of Douglas Fairbanks at the Grand Canyon. Now, if you're looking for a visual accompaniment to this podcast, there is a video version of this podcast on the Grand Canyon TV YouTube channel. However, if you guys are out and about or operating heavy machinery, just sit back and enjoy the podcast. I came across something. Yeah. Came across something on eBay and it sort of unraveled into more and more uh, Grand Canyon findings, Grand Canyon historic findings. Ooh, ooh, okay. So I'm going to share it. And it's the only one I could find. Really? So we got to be careful with it. It's the only time I've ever seen this. It is the only one of this I've ever seen. I didn't pay an insane amount of money, yet it, for what it is, uh, I'll just say what it is. It, um, the reveal. Okay. This is one page of a magazine. Oh, whoa. I bought one page of a magazine. <laughs> From 1918. This is the Ladies Home Journal, 1918. And it's a page. Why I was disappointed is the headline. And there are images of Douglas Fairbanks at the edge of the Grand Canyon. He wrote the article himself, too. That's cool. There's a little blurb. Yeah, and this is, I turned the page over already and looked at it. I don't know if there's more to this article. It was just one page in the magazine. Yeah. And I couldn't find, I tried to find a full uh, copy of the, the issue on eBay. I couldn't find that. Nobody was selling it. Uh, so this would actually be the February 1918 Ladies Home Journal. Yeah, so if anybody knows what happens on page 19 and further, because this article, the Douglas Fairbanks article, uh, it's on page 18, but it's the left side of the page. So that leads me to believe it would be a spread, you know, that there should be a right side of the, of the article. Could be. So, because, yeah. Could be. So the images you can see already... Um, the images that we're looking at too, if you're just listening to a podcast version of this, is we have images of Douglas Fairbanks and a friend on the edge of the Grand Canyon, and he's doing all kinds of stunts. Douglas Fairbanks was a silent film star. He was born 1883, which is the same year that Ladies Home Journal uh, began 1883. Oh, isn't that also Life Magazine? And Life Magazine, yeah. So yeah, 1883, 
a couple magazines started up. Now, Douglas Fairbanks, I think he was just starting to become a star because Fairbanks is known for mostly for the Mark of Zorro, 1920, and Zorro being a character throughout the Southwest, you know, kind of like leading us towards that golden age of Westerns, which isn't going to come yet. You know, we're in early Hollywood. It's not until we get into the talkies and John Wayne and those John Ford Westerns. But these are probably the movies that are going to inspire that. Yeah. I mean, there were like some silent film Westerns, but yeah, they were more... I don't want to say like romantic, but they were much more like based in sort of like public domain or or biblical stories. Like a lot of the early silent films yeah. are like biblically inspired. Yeah. Uh, there's the great train robbery. It's, you know, that famous Bible story, the, the great train robbery, that <laughs> that one where, you know, it's from the new New Testament. It is. It's, you know, Peter's on his way to Rome. And who's on that train? Judas. Ooh. Judas just, you know, he's trying to bring the gold from from Jesus's cave all the way to Rome to set up the Vatican. Wow. Is like, this a pitch? Yeah. It's now turned into a pitch for a biblically inspired train robbery. But it's like, oh, but what if it's a, instead of like an actual train, it's like a caravan train of like elephants and stuff, bringing all the gold from Jesus' Mm -hmm, tomb mm -hmm. to start the Vatican up. Yeah. And then Judas and his like, his evil followers are trying to take down the caravan. It's just called caravan. Caravan. I like it. Um, <laughs> speaking of trains, yeah, uh, there's a train that goes to Grand Canyon, the Grand Canyon Railroad. Now, I saw these images. I, I, I bought this page of the magazine a couple months ago, and I'm going to get back to trains. Don't worry. I got a plan. Uh, <laughs> well, I saw this page, and, and I kind of looked at it. I was like, that's interesting. But I wanted to do a little more research on Douglas Fairbanks, you know, known for Mark of Zorro, 1920. Robin Hood, 1922, Thief of Baghdad, 1924. Thief of Baghdad's probably like the big one. Like that was like, you know, had some of his like best stunts in it. He becomes famous and yeah, known known for stunts. Yeah. So it, it doesn't surprise me as I do more research that, okay, he's displaying all of these crazy stunts on the Grand Canyon. Like, look at, like, look at that. Like he's a laying... Um, this says, so yeah, I'll, let me read this cause I'll, I'll read his little caption here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the headline is why I was disappointed by Douglas Fairbanks himself. I can define my disappointment in a sentence. I couldn't jump it. <laughs> I had blandly believed, encouraged, I may add in my belief by various moving picture directors that I could jump anything (laughs) here on the rim of the world i met defeat so he's referencing that he's doing stunts in the movies remember this is february 1918 so he hasn't really done those yet he has well he started getting really popular in like i would say probably like 1916 or 17 um because yeah by 1918 1919 he's like probably the marquee actor in silent film Hollywood. 
I think, um, what was it on, uh, yeah, on his wiki, they, they referred to him as the king of Hollywood. Yeah. Kind of like the king of pop. He's the first one. And then it was later passed on to Clark Gable. Is that Clark Gable, by the way? That is Clark Gable. All right, there's a, we're looking at a picture on the wall of this house, and there's a framed picture of Clark Gable. Yeah. I'm also on that at an estate sale. <laughs> nice. I bet somebody's going to find this uh, Ladies Home Journal at an estate sale. That would be somewhere. great. Anybody out there listening that finds yeah. the February, February 19, 18. 1918. February, again, what was that? February 1918. February 1918. Ladies Home Journal. But don't, you know, really don't try to hike up the price. I mean, a, reason, yeah. a reasonable price. Guys. Let's be fair. Like, let's uh, just adjust it for inflation and and be cool. Maybe like a dollar or two. Cover over. price. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Double double the cover price. That's double your return. Yeah. Double whatever you paid for it. Do you want, really want to know how much I paid for this one sheet? I don't think they should know. All right, it's a number <laughs> between zero and 500. That is quite. I'll just oh leave gosh. it there. Okay. It's, it's a, you know. um, so, continuing on with his little blurb here. So, he's known for stunts. He's going to become more known for stunts, uh, but he's already like, um, you know, he's on the edge of the canyon and, and all this stuff. So, He's talking about, um, you know, oh, I believed I could jump anything. Here on the rim of the world, I met defeat and I went down gladly. Impressions, question mark, <laughs> unconveyable. A very famous man has explained that when the creator made the Grand Canyon, he said he failed to make a word to cover it. I am comforted by the thought that mine is not the least deficient vocabulary. So he's trying to describe Grand Canyon. Yeah. And people have, it's, it's a thing. When you look back at historic writings of Grand Canyon, everybody's trying to describe it. What do you call it? How do you yeah. put it into words? And I think it is somebody like John Wesley Powell or Clarence Dutton or um, Theodore Roosevelt. One of these guys said something along those lines. There's no word to describe yeah. it. Yeah. How do you know the unknowable? And, just go see it. And this guy's being cheeky as hell. Oh, because that's he's, Fairbanks. He's like, disappointment. <laughs> Come yeah. on. Let me let you know how much of a letdown the Grand Canyon was. Because he couldn't jump it. So continuing on. As for my companion Jones, it was quite different. When I asked him what he thought of it, he replied, The canyon? Oh, the canyon's all right. Only my camera ain't big enough. It's so true. Even back then with those gigantic, like. He says it was a four by five camera. Yeah. Truly, I felt for Jones. And I feel for Jones too. And a four. To lug that thing around. I actually want to, uh, I should look this up. Uh, I'm going to type this up. Um, but yeah, four by five camera, what that would be the equivalent in megapixels. <laughs> Is there a quick Google conversion for that? I think so. But yeah, what else do we have here on these images? So yeah, it's him laying across a precipice. You know, all the cool things that you do with somebody that you dragged all the way out to the edge of the world. And then there's a cool shot of him jumping across. He's leaping. Yeah. And I actually found, there's a postcard. A postcard I found on eBay 
That's a leap of faith from Fairbanks Point. So they, they even you found that about um, Yos- yeah. uh, Yosemite? In Was Yosemite, it? yeah. There's a peak. There's like a famous photo of him doing like a headstand or a handstand. And uh, I guess they named the peak that he took that photo on in Yellowstone, Fairbanks Point or Fairbanks Peak or something like that. Yeah. So this is the, this is the postcard. I'll show it on the screen if you guys are watching um, or if you're listening. Um, but it's 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 like a canvas kind of like one of these old postcards. And it says this spectacular leap was performed by a park ranger at a point known as Douglas Fairbanks Rock about five minutes walk east of El Tavar. The jump is 12 feet from rock to rock as indicated with a 2000 foot drop below, though the Colorado River flows a mile below the canyon's rim. So what they're saying is if he were to fall there, that would be a 2000 foot drop. I think it's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, That's in the postcard. Yeah. But this seems like it became a thing. So Douglas Fairbanks was like the star of the day now then somebody's like, oh, let's make a, I saw that, I saw that article in the ladies. Let's go journal. jump. Let's go jump it. <laughs> <laughs> let's go jump it. Let's get that photo, which is still to this day, people go out and they try and to do get this there. jump. Uh, no, I, I got to look this up. I don't know exactly where that is. They say five minutes east of El Tavar. So that, that's what throws me. Cause this looks like an area like he is, he looks like he's kind of, um, along the rim trail walking west of El Tavar, west of Bright Angel Trailhead, you have the uh, worship area and there's like some limestone like this and some there's a fault line and that's what it feels like to me, the area he's in. You can, you can look behind him, you can see Plateau Point down below behind him, but the postcard that I found, it says east huh. of El Tavar. So I, now I gotta walk the rim. That'll be another, that'll be a follow-up video. I'll take the postcard and I'll try to find this uh, this Douglas Fairbanks rock they're talking about. You know, maybe that was smart of them on the postcard to put the wrong direction so that way people don't go and try to recreate it. Could have been like a safety precaution. Yeah. It's like when Instagrammers don't tag the location. Right. Or they put at me and then you just, you know, yeah. you can't find where they are. So, and it's fun to look at this stuff too because, you know, we talk about today like, like, oh, Instagrammers are ruining everything. This has been going on for over a hundred years of people doing ridiculous photos on the edge of the canyon. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what is the captions we've got? I, I, I'm curious who this Jones guy is. If that's an inside joke or something, who Jones is, we gotta look at maybe some of his film collaborators. If there's somebody called Jones, or maybe Jones was a guide at the Grand Canyon showing him around. Uh, but it says, Jones said, if you can't jump across it, lie across it. I made the attempt with this result. Here, he's, he's doing so, it's all jokes, you know, lots of jokes. I never realized before what an anchor to windward meant. I wouldn't have been without it. So anchor to windward is kind of like a phrase. It's. I mean, basically, like, in reality, if you're on a boat, you're going to put anchor windward, make sure the boat doesn't blow away. But it, it's a, it was a term that basically meant, like, um, you know, be cautious of successes. He's got a picture of him 
with a baby Native American all wrapped up. And uh, it says, the papoose's ma got a dollar for this. Jones wanted to see further, so I held him up. He's holding his friend up. Here I feel part like the Colossus of Rhodes and part like the old man of the sea. So Colossus of Rhodes is like a giant statue. Yeah, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Yeah, seven wonders of the ancient world, which that was a big thing that would come up on Grand Canyon Tours. People would start naming the seven wonders of the world. Yeah. There's seven ancient wonders and there's seven natural wonders of the world. So, you know, the natural wonders are like Grand Canyon, You've got the Great Barrier Reef. You've got Victoria Falls in there. You've got the Bay of Rio in there. Uh, you've got uh, that volcano Paracutan in Mexico. And uh, I'm missing, is it Mount Everest? Maybe it might be Mount Everest. Um, but yeah, so the seven ancient wonders, um, you know, if you're into Game of Thrones too, they kind of did like a, wasn't there like uh, when... Um, when uh, the young Stark girl goes to the city, there's like this giant statue and you just see the giant legs. Yeah. I think that's what he's joking about. Or that's what that was supposed to be too. Yeah. It's like the Colossus. Because a lot of the old like ancient artwork of it shows the Colossus like standing on each side, uh, like each of the two peninsulas oh, yeah. to like let you yes. in. Yes. Yeah. Like the, yeah. The pillars going through the gateway. Yeah. I'm trying to find... Who this Jones guy is? Uh, this last one here is the leap of faith that inspired the naming of Fairbanks Point and then the postcard. Uh, but it says, when Jones yelled, lunch is ready, I came running. <laughs> now, it doesn't end here, my friends. It does not. We are only getting started because then I said, well, what is he doing at the Grand Canyon? Why do we have this whole photo op of Douglas Fairbanks at the Grand Canyon? And it's just this little blurb of an article. I said, nah, he's a movie star. There's got to be some reason he was at the Grand Canyon. Yeah. So I started digging and I'm looking up like, you know, Douglas Fairbanks films. What was he filming around this time? Well, I found a movie called A Modern Musketeer. Silent film, Modern Musketeer, was filmed in the fall of 1917, released December 30th, 1917. This article comes out 1918, right? So this, yeah. So like two months after the movie. Well, the movie was a huge success. It was a, it was a blockbuster. People said, eh, the plot was a little thin but it has some cool stunts mm -hmm. and I watched the film. I watched the entirety of the film and it's the story of uh, this guy who um, the beginning is really boring, um, <laughs> but basically he ends up at the Grand Canyon. I'll, I'll do a whole review of the film at some point and I'll show you the Grand Canyon scenes, uh, but he, he maybe I can splice some into this too. Yeah. But, but it's a silent film. This guy ends up at the Grand Canyon and they like put a car on railroad tracks and they, they then drive the car to the actual Grand Canyon station, you know, at the south rim of the Grand Canyon. You got oh, whoa. footage of it. Um, you guys are looking at footage right now of it. 
And so, yeah, he gets out. It's the same train station that is standing there today. They then go up to El Tavar Hotel. They walk inside of El Tavar Hotel. And, you know, similar shot to what you have um, years later. What would it be? 50, yeah, like 50-odd years later for National Lampoon's vacation. Oh, yeah, yeah, like 70 years later. The shot outside of um, El Tavar. And uh, so it's really cool to see that, that they capture that 1917. This is also when America got involved in World War One. Oh, yeah. 1917. So these guys, um, well, clearly they didn't get drafted. They got deferments, you know, or they conscripted some people to go in and fight for them. Or they push to make the film to avoid that's getting a smart one is it yeah. oh let, quick let's get a film going uh yeah let's uh, look the script's not finished at the we were rewriting the beginning and douglas fairbanks was like oh no it's fine it's fine it's fine we'll uh we'll backload it with a bunch of stunts it'll balance out um yeah. let's go now and yeah put this car on the railroad track started filming fall of 1917 and it's released december 30th so they must have been like dispatching like the reels immediately to go get edited or there's no sound to yeah. edit or maybe not yeah maybe they just shot it all in like a week and then we're like all right they could do a quick edit but yeah it's crazy to think that today yeah. like the amount of time that goes into a film these days into post-production alone yeah the post the sound the foley the score the color correction the editing processing you know special effects the whole hype campaign you got to build you know two teasers a trailer like an alternate or not alternate augmented reality game yeah you know yeah your fast food tie-ins all that stuff like a modern musketeer coming out now it would be some like you know teaser trailer where it has like some slow piano playing I found a lobby card online. So this is a lobby card from a modern musketeer. And that is actually the L of our hotel behind them. The barrier of wealth is forgotten. It's a tagline. Yeah, I think it it has something to do with like this girl gets kidnapped. When they show up to the canyon, this girl gets kidnapped and he's got to save her. But he's doing all kinds of crazy stunts. He's climbing up like the the onto the roof of the El Tavar Hotel. They got all this footage at the edge of the canyon. Uh, you can uh, see shots that are probably around El Tavar. And then there's other shots. It looks like they went all the way out to Desert View. So that's the east end of the south rim. And you can see very clearly, you can see Cedar Mountain behind them. Uh, so that that might be a whole other project I go and try to match the shots from the film and show yeah. you what it looks like today and even try to find like a tree because a tree would be the coolest thing in my opinion to see like a tree that was in the shot is that tree still standing today that could be cool see if maybe there's some initials carved into it mm. a little df a little df for don't follow yeah don't do what <laughs> i did you were looking up uh you were looking up stunts and what was that called? YouTube video called? Original part. Somebody made a cut of Douglas Fairbanks' stunts in The Mark of Zorro. 
and then saying like, yeah, like yeah. early parkour. This is how parkour started. Cause yeah, it's just bouncing off the walls. It stunts. And yeah, I guess that was kind of the fun of film because Fairbanks, I believe started in theater. Like a lot of silent film stars, they started in theater. Yeah. He worked a day job where he was like working on Wall Street. Really? Yeah. Before. New York City. Yeah. Wow. And then when he went out to Hollywood, um, you know, was doing like, you know, handsome guy roles, like just generic handsome guy things until uh, they noticed that audiences reacted to him being like very athletic mm. um, and like being engaged with how like spry he was. And how physical he was. And so they just started amping it up. And then he kept pushing himself more and more. There was like some cool stuff about how he would train himself to do um, short uh, short distance jumps. Where he would jump higher and higher. But on like less of a wind up. So it's like he would almost like wow. so like, you know, running. Instead of running into a jump, he could do it from like a dead wow. stop. And lift higher. So he had this like little makeshift thing that he called the horse. And he would just like ratchet it up a little bit. And then try to flat jump over at each jump. Because the dude was only 5'8". Really? Yeah. He's an innovator. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, yeah. I mean, these are the guys that are considered like the founding fathers of Hollywood. Yeah. Right? Like, because he ended up being in the United Artists um yeah with mary pickford charlie chaplin and uh, dw griffith the dw griffith was already going at this point and he had already um started a race war in america with his <laughs> yeah. film birth of a nation chaplin mary pickford douglas fairbanks dw griffith and they all kind of like come together to create united artists which is still around today it's gotten kicked around quite a bit but yeah it's uh it's been reopened and given a fresh coat of paint and they do that every few years. Somebody folds it, like somebody buys it, folds it, and then they break out the label once again. Like Tom Cruise at one point owned it. That's a good connection. Cause Tom Cruise is kind of like that Douglas Fairbanks. He started, you know, he did a handsome guy role. Yeah. And he's like, I want to do stunts. And then gradually got more and more insane with his stunts. And now he's like, in the next Mission Impossible movie, which I think is the seventh one, they want to shoot something in like, not quite space, but like, yeah, mm. he wants to do something in like, is it high atmosphere or low atmosphere? Just above like stratosphere. zero gravity. And like you lower stratosphere sounds. Something like that. Because I know with that mummy movie, the plane crash that they do, they did that in like, like when they got high enough altitude oh, to do like a low gravity. Zero G yeah. plane. Okay. So this next Mission Impossible movie. Dubai, the Dubai yeah. Tower, where he's actually hanging off of the Burj Khalifa. Yeah. Which uh, for you Grand Canyon people, that Burj Khalifa, 2,722 feet tall, can't hold a candle to Grand Canyon. 5,000, 6,000 foot drops at the Grand Canyon. Damn. Talking about these stunts. Yeah. One last uh, rope I want to tie into this big knot is um, Zorro. So Fairbanks, he he read about Zorro, and I believe Zorro was created in 1919, the same year that Grand Canyon became a national park. Zorro was created. Zorro was a character who fought for indigenous people. Oh. And he wore this mask, and he wore all black, and um, he's running around the southwest 
and and yeah just fighting for the common person fighting for indigenous people well zorro the movie then the mark of zorro was um i read that it was it was adapted by douglas fairbanks so i think he read this book and he's like oh let's take that character yeah let's put that on film zorro blows up it's a huge success um you know i think these movies made millions and and their budgets for these movies were like you know 10 to fifty thousand dollar budgets but yeah then they started to like make millions in the nickelodeons all over the country um everybody paying a nickel to go see these and so yeah this is like the age where they're seeing like there is money to be made yeah movies it's a gold rush its own gold rush it is and yeah years after wow just like we're in a uh, we're in a bitcoin uh crypto <laughs> rush right now um yeah it, it always reinvents itself there's always a new way to to um be a pioneer so anyway i bring up zorro enthusiastically because zorro is going to be the inspiration for batman oh so bill finger the guy who creates Batman has said in interviews that he was inspired by Zorro. And you'll notice in almost every Batman comic movie that it's always when Bruce Wayne is in the movie theater with his parents, oh, they're yeah. seeing a Zorro movie. So the original uh, creation of Batman, Batman was created in 1939 by Bill Finger and, uh, he was seeing um, uh, The Mark of Zorro, the 1920 silent film, The Mark of yeah. Zorro. And then comes out of the theater and his parents are killed. And so the idea is that Bruce Wayne is inspired by Zorro to oh. become this caped crusader with a mask who you know dresses in all black and oh, that's helps cool. people in, in need. Yeah. So it all comes back to Douglas Fairbanks. Yeah. And 1919 in the southwest it's like a weird nexus of energy there which um something i am going to do a video on is i've been doing a lot of research into this i've been looking up comic books that have scenes at the grand canyon and i'm trying to nail this down but i am quite certain that batman is the first superhero to ever go to the grand canyon in a comic <laughs> you know of course comics are older than movies or, yeah. or well i guess not these movies but you know we had comic book superheroes before they were ever movie superheroes so the first superhero ever um i found a batman comic from 1946 uh where him and robin go to the grand canyon no way and um, i cannot find anything older than that there are comic books older than that that show grand canyon but not a superhero yeah comic book you don't have like aquaman showing up at the grand canyon yeah and i think superman like flies over it but it, there might be a comic where he touches down there but i'm yeah. saying like the first comic book superhero to visit grand canyon batman no way oh man uh, can't wait to see where that goes <laughs> yeah <laughs> We'll see. Is there any final notes on uh, this a Ladies' Home Journal article? How long was a Ladies' Home Journal in publication? Didn't it like just die? 
recently? 2016. 1883 to 2016. Okay. Ladies Home Journal, rest in peace. LHJ, we'll never forget you. It's hard to end these things. It's really hard because I feel like I'm leaving something out. Let me just, I got tabs open. I got tabs open on the computer here. A lot of tabs open. Oh, you know what I wanted to say? This is, this is my final thoughts on this article, is are these photos that perhaps Fairbanks took during the filming, because they were spending time at the Grand Canyon filming this movie, did they perhaps take these photos saying, hey, we, we're going to have to market this movie. Right. Let's do some photos that we can then release. Do some press for it. Or was it that the movie blew up so big, people said, who is this guy? People knew about him, but now I bet a lot of people knew about yeah. him after A Modern Musketeer came out. And so then was it like Ladies Home Journal reached out and said, hey, that movie was incredible. What were you, where, yeah, let's, let's get uh, you back on Let's that get you on a train. We're going to get you on a train, the next train to Grand Canyon with a photographer. And uh, this guy Jones, he's going to be your guide. And uh, we'll put you guys up at the El Tavar Hotel, give you a nice dinner. And, uh, you know. Uh, Just go shoot some photos. Write a story, Doug. Yeah. Yeah. Doug, we're going to commission you to write a story about, about how you feel about the Grand Canyon. You spent so much time there filming such a wonderful movie. Douglas, please, will you just hop on this train and go write a story for us? Here's a here's a four by five camera that this man Jones is going to go ahead and tote around. Also to note, if that was true, if he was sent out there on a press tour to get these photos, still today, you can leave Hollywood and take the subway, the red line, down to Union Station in downtown L.A. Union Station, you get on an Amtrak called the Southwest Chief. You can ride the Southwest Chief to Flagstaff, Arizona. From Flagstaff, Arizona, you can get on a bus. It will take you to Williams, Arizona, where you can get on the Grand Canyon Railroad. Oh, no way. So it's not that difficult to go from Hollywood to Grand Canyon, mostly by train today. There is just one shuttle between Flagstaff and Williams. There is not a commuter train between Flagstaff and Williams, which is only like a, I think it's only 30 miles so you basically would go all the way from Hollywood to Grand Canyon with only 30 miles in there that you wouldn't be on a train. That sounds like a good episode. To be continued. Ride those rails. Post-show notes. After I recorded that conversation with my friend Ricky, I hopped online and sure enough, the other page to this article popped up. So it was on eBay uh, with an asking price of $48.95 and they were actually selling both pages this time. $48, like 50 bucks with the shipping, like $55 with shipping. I did not want to buy it. So I'm just going to show you guys here. The other side would have said, it, it would have gone together and it would have said why I was disappointed in the Grand Canyon. Photographs by Charles Warrington. To meet me at Grand Canyon, Jones drove all the way from Gas City, Indiana, in a green Ford with red wheels, taking pictures of prairie dogs, jackrabbits, and sagebrush by the wayside. Nights he'd lock the steering gear so the front wheels wouldn't slew, curl up in, curl up in the tanoe, and let her run. As he said, thus he was able to make excellent time across the plains, arriving at the rim 
of the Abyss, Jones realized what he was up against with his 4x5 camera. The pictures he took for the folks back home had about the same relation to the canyon that a photograph of a gravel bank in Gas City would have. So these are not Jones' pictures, but Mr. Warrington's, taken for Jones' sake, for without such evidence, he could not prove that he was out there at all. All right, so he's making jokes. Uh, Fairbanks is cracking wise about cars, and this is hilarious. Um, but seriously, this is 19... Remember, this is 1918, so he's making a joke about somebody propping up their steering wheel so they could drive through the night when... Lo and behold, over 100 years later, we do actually have self-driving cars. So there's more pictures of him uh, being a jackass on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Now, what I also dug up is Fairbanks and the film crew arrived at the El Tavar Hotel in late October of 1917, and they spent two weeks at the El Tavar Hotel. During that time, they filmed scenes, and it appears like they filmed some scenes they probably went down the hermit trail because there are scenes of the colorado river but for the most part they used canyon de Chez to be the bottom of the grand canyon i did find that douglas fairbanks did in fact try to enlist in the army for world war one now remember he's 34 years old when he makes this film uh, but in April, the U.S. joined the efforts in World War I. Fairbanks did try to enlist, and the U.S. government told him no. The U.S. government did realize the power of celebrity and the power of propaganda and film, and so they found better use for Fairbanks by having him sell war bonds. I also want to stress the significance of this film in Douglas Fairbanks' career. He had kind of done some comedies and such before this, yet he was a very physical actor. And this film uh, totally displayed that. He got to climb from ropes. He ended up you know, injuring himself and getting all beat up doing this, uh, climbing the ropes and you know, jumping around and everything. Uh, but at 34 years old, this really was the start of his career as more of an action star. So in the beginning of the film, he's playing this musketeer type, and that is the beginnings of Douglas Fairbanks playing any kind of a, a swashbuckler kind of a role. So from this, he then goes into uh, playing Zorro. From that, he goes into playing Robin Hood and the Thief of Baghdad. And without this film, if this film wasn't a big success, he probably wouldn't have done those roles. And so I'll take it as far to say that we might not have Batman. Batman might not exist if it weren't for this film being successful because the, the audience enjoyed seeing Fairbanks in this way, which led to him then being able to spend the money to acquire the rights to Zorro and adapt that into a screenplay. 1920, he plays Zorro. And then a man named Bill Finger sees that film and over a decade later, writes the character of Bruce Wayne, who Bruce Wayne is seeing the Mark of Zorro at the movie theater. And when he comes out, his parents get murdered. Thus, Bruce Wayne is inspired from having just seen the Mark of Zorro to become this caped crusader. I also found that Fairbanks 
his whole concept of saying he was disappointed in the Grand Canyon was his quote. He was disappointed that he couldn't jump it. And uh, I came across this. I got to look into it a little more, but uh, somebody was saying that in the early 20th century, the early days of the El Tavar Hotel, whenever they had a guest of, um, you know, a, a celebrity guest or politician or whoever, they would have this guest, they would ask the guest for some kind of, of, they would ask the guest for some kind of a quote about the Grand Canyon. And they would put this on the placemats at the El Tavar. So I want to dig into that more. If somebody knows, uh, feel free to comment um, if that was true. If the if the El Tavar placemats had all these different quotes of these um, different figures in the early 20th century, because Fairbanks kind of looked at it. The story I heard was Fairbanks looked at it and he just, you know, felt it was kind of silly, and so he wanted to do something really different. And so for his quote, he said he was disappointed because he could not jump the Grand Canyon. Thank you guys for watching, listening. That'll do it for this episode. Grand Canyon TV.